0: Hello and welcome to Episode 8 of School Nutrition Dietitian. Today I have Dr. Lynette Dodson on the show, the State Director for the School Nutrition Program here in Georgia. This is an exciting opportunity to get to hear about our State Director's journey into school nutrition and also hear her perspective on the importance of qualified Leadership. There are little tidbits and career tips, time management tips sprinkled throughout the interview. You don't want to miss this. School nutrition, dietitian, here on a mission to show you fruits and vegetables can be super delicious. Eating healthy keeps you healthy on the inside. Keep your stomach satisfied and keep a clear mind. Now you're ready for your academics. Focus time to handle business breakfast. You don't want to miss it. Help your body to replenish. Clean food, clear mind. That is the vision. Tune in to the School Nutrition Dietitian. Guys, I think I'm ready to record. This is <laughs> A early days. On. I was afraid to yeah. call anyone that I kind of have up on a pedestal in my mind too early on because I was afraid I'd have some sort of ridiculous technical snafu and complete the whole interview and then realize like, oh, "Oh, I didn't press press record. But anyway, I've worked out all the kinks. So I know I at least have pressed the record button. I've got that much under control. Good, good. (laughs) I wanted to start with What brought you to dietetics in the first place? Why were you interested (laughs) in studying nutrition?
1: Well, I think quite honestly, when I started out in college, um, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I think I knew then I definitely wanted to be in a field that worked with people um, and um, basically supporting people as best as I could. Um, I wasn't sure exactly the application of that. And I did have a strong interest in chemistry. Um, So I actually started out as a chemical engineer major um, and quickly decided that that wasn't really where I wanted to be. And I had a personal interest in nutrition. um, So I discovered um, dietetics as a career option, still not knowing probably as much about it then as I do now, obviously. And of course, when I was starting out, we didn't have the luxury of the internet and resources to even understand, I think, totally what the role was. We, it was really kind of old, old-fashioned. We had course catalogs. And so I read in the course catalog basically what you know a dietician did, and it sounded interesting to me. And I wanted to help people Early on, I honestly was focused on wellness. I knew that was um, more the preventative wellness type approach was, I think, my focus from the beginning, which was a relatively new concept, to be honest. Um, So, anyway, I applied and was accepted. Originally, I actually applied to colleges for chemical engineering, and I took my first year and did just general stuff, kind of getting my basic things out of the way, and um, ended up transferring my sophomore year to um, Iowa State University, which at that time had a very highly recognized and rated dietetics program, Um, and they were patterned after Cornell, which was considered the number one program at that time, it was the mid-80s. And that at that time, Cornell had what was considered the number one program in Iowa State. At the time, was honestly considered in the number two spot. There, it's of course a lot has changed since then. But um, it was a very strong program, and they had their didactic part that was part of it. Then it was a cut program, so you did your internship while you were there, and they had a large internship program. There was twenty spots, Um, so I. I received one of those spots which also helped okay. um, with getting those requirements completed you know with graduation so in essence it was kind of like um, putting five years into four years.
0: Right so more like how some nursing programs are still structured now but they've yes. just completely changed how they place the dietetic students in their rotations how strong of an academic background were you coming from if chemical engineering was on your radar back when I'm assuming women weren't really dominating in that field at all? Yes.
1: Yes. And honestly, that was true just in general, um, probably at that time. Um, yeah, there weren't, there weren't a lot of women that were in um, even calculus classes. Ironically, when I took calculus um, So that was one thing. Um, And, of course, in dietetics, it definitely was more predominantly women, um, you know. And, again, I kind of went back and forth between dietetics and trying to decide where I fell. And I actually majored in food service management and dietetics. So my focus, my electives were really in the management um, side of it and kitchen design and all. Um, so I had a lot of coursework around that. And my junior year, there was a class at Iowa State. It was called the Tea Room. It actually still exists. And, um, it was a practicum type experience to where you managed the kitchen, you planned the menu, the order. It was a um, very formal lunch setting. We served 150 people. A lot of them were like professors and outside folks that came in and it was formal table service. And um, even the plating was designed. All of those details were designed. And through the course, you did every job. But um, at least once, you were the manager of the whole kitchen and dining room experience. And so that was really probably where the switch was turned on for me. I, mm. I did that experience. And the professor I had was awesome. And at the end of it, she told me. And she may have told every student this. I don't know. But <laughs> She told me that in all her career, she just had never seen anyone that had handled um, the kitchen and the planing and all so seamlessly. And she basically, you know, told me that she felt I had a lot of talent in that area, and um, was curious, you know, what my focus was for the future. And so, there were a lot of things I liked doing and enjoyed doing, and I just couldn't really find that one thing, you know, where it was like, Oh, this is it. I I wish I was someone that had grown up knowing I wanted to be a dietitian or, you know, run, you know, school food or, you know, whatever. I I didn't have that kind of vision. But at that point in my life, that was kind of like, Oh, wow. You know, she saw something that she thought I did well. I felt like I did a lot of different things pretty well, but it wasn't, you know, I just didn't have that one thing that was my passion, if you will. Right. So, um, that was really a turning point for me. So that was where I focused a lot on the food service management side of it, still doing clinical dietetics, of course. Um, and I, I did well at that as well. Um, I had community nutrition experiences as part of that, and um, I enjoyed those, but um, definitely focused on food service. And at that time, clinical dietetics was pretty different. Um, and even in my internship experience, I saw some dietitians that had some pretty significant roles, but I saw some dietitians that um, I felt like kind of functioned with their hands tied more um, and were dealing with patients um, in the hospital setting that were a lot of times I had a lot of terminal patients uh, with cancer and mm. um, secondary like diabetes related diseases. And um, it just seemed like, you know, sort of just being supportive and trying to offer Um, direction, you know, for them to make good choices, the impact seemed minimal because, yeah. And so I think that frustrated me at the time. And um, again, being engaged in the management side, that was really where I um, focused. So when I graduated, I took a position um, with the company, really with the idea of learning more about operations and having a stronger food service um, foundation because I knew a lot of what I had was academic. I had worked in college food service a little bit one summer. I'd done an internship between my junior and senior year with a company in Kansas City um, that was a restaurant chain basically that had a cafeteria style service. So I learned, you know, a lot, but I still felt like I was lacking um, the knowledge that I needed. So I picked that company because they had really the closest um, standards to textbook type operation that I'd ever seen. And um, they had standardized recipes, they had inventory control procedures. Um, Everything was um, like training videos that they had standardized. Everything was very well planned. It was very sound best practice type of um, application. So went to work for them and as a result, Um, worked a lot of hours um, and met my husband, but I never sat for the RD exam um, because I didn't need to be a registered dietitian in that arena.
0: Were you seeing the overlap or potential overlap between food service management and wellness like you initially were interested in?
1: No, I did not actually. You know, they they had a fairly diverse menu, a lot of salads and vegetables and fruits and things certainly um, and definitely healthy options but it was a family style um, cafeteria service and so you know I can't say that wellness was like the focus they had definitely a good a good menu Um, they had fried items and all too but Um, But they had a lot of variety on their menu. It it was more really about learning food service operations for me at that point in my career. So I met my husband and then um, we got married and we both continued to work for the company and our careers progressed. But um, I was expecting our daughter and typically we worked about 14 hour days and I was six months pregnant with her actually and had one day off. Mm. Wow. And I knew, yeah, and knew that that wasn't um, the lifestyle that I wanted, you know, to have as a mother. Um, and so it was hard because we made, you know, really good money in that setting. Commercial food service paid very well. Um, so taking a step back from that was, you know, a little bit of an impact on our finances. But my husband and I both agreed, you know, that, that both of us couldn't work in that arena. Um, so he continued to, and his career progressed and ended up having actually all three of our kids. Um, they were two years apart. So, um, kind of did some little things on the side. And, and, long story short, with his career, he decided to leave that industry and actually went into healthcare, um, food service management in the hospital setting. Um, with, at that time, it was Marriott, it later became Sodexo. So trying to get a little bit better quality of life. And um, so that's what actually ended up bringing us to Georgia. And um, prior to that, we were in Arkansas. And so he was at the University of Arkansas Medical Center doing their food service there. And the town we lived in was advertising for a um, full nutrition manager, cafeteria manager. And so at that time, our youngest son was about three. And so I was thinking about going back to work just kind of part time. And um, so I went and actually interviewed for that job. And the director was a registered dietitian. And she looked at me and told me basically like, you need to go back, finish your dietetics and do what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And um, so the town we lived in actually had a college that had a dietetics program. (laughs) And when I investigated, I was actually at the point where my internship was going to expire because I had basically 10 years to sit for the exam and I was at like nine and a half years or nine years at that point.
0: Did you still, back then, did you have to like put in, send something in basically saying at some point you intend to take it or you could really just do all the required coursework and just wait until you felt like taking the exam?
1: So I had the prerequisites. I had the internship, you know, all the prerequisites for that done. I had the coursework done. So yeah, all that had to be submitted to CDR. Um, but back then the exam was a paper test only administered twice a year, which is why I hadn't done it. Um, the first time I should have sat for an October after I graduated, but I was opening a cafeteria in California, training the commercial baker and working, you know, ridiculous hours. And, in hindsight, I should have just gone ahead and sat for it, but I hadn't had time to study. So um, I just felt like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then that next year, we got married. And then a year after that, I had Courtney. So it was just life kind of happened and kept pushing it out. So I knew I knew I was fairly strong in the food service side. I had done some little side gigs. Um, we went to a really large Baptist church in Texas. and I did a businessman's lunch there that we fed about 150 people. And then they had me do the Wednesday night supper. I had a staff that did that with me. And so that was about 350 to 500 people that we fed there. So it was just kind of like little side gigs that I did, um, just to kind of, you know, get a little extra money and kind of stay in it. And I had friends that wanted to learn how to cook. And so anyway, that was kind of where that was, but when we moved, um, to Georgia, I went ahead before we moved, um, and went and took my medical nutrition therapy class over because I knew I hadn't done clinical dietetics in nine years. Um, so I wanted to take a refresher on that, and then I also took medical terminology because I knew if I understood what the words you know meant, then I could better you know understand the questions and determine the right answers. So I basically went back and retook those two classes, and we moved to Georgia on, um, actually on April 1st, and um, I sat for the exam that, that April, about two to three weeks after that um, at Emory, and um, passed the exam first time, and actually had, yeah, created my own study materials. I mean, I didn't go do like inmen or anything like that. I didn't even really know about it. I ordered the CDR, you know, study guide and kind of built things out, um, from that. So anyway, in the meantime, my husband was here and there was a local hospital that was looking at, um, their director was retiring. And so they were looking at contract hospital food service. And so Marriott had gone in and done a survey. And when they did, um, they decided that they didn't really want to invest a lot in that small hospital. So my, husband, knowing that I was interested in getting back into dietetics and all, asked if, um, you know, if he was okay in giving them my name. So I went and interviewed with um, the administrator and basically um, he was, you know, super excited and supportive. And so they basically hired me. Um, I ran the department and I also was their first full-time clinical dietitian because they'd just been functioning with consultants. So they were trying to get Joint Commission accredited, and so having a full time RD definitely um, helped raise their level of patient care. And so Did I was part of that process.
0: Have any anxiety about going back into the workplace with so much responsibility, like right out the gate?
1: No, to be honest, I don't. I don't remember that being an issue. Um, you know, I knew I felt fairly confident. Um, with the department. Of course, I hadn't run a tray line. It had been a long time, you know, since college that I'd even seen that done and I hadn't personally run it. But I felt, you know, I felt comfortable handling the food service side of it. Um, and I was excited about the patient care. I, I honestly had such a strong foundation from Iowa State and the clinical. At that time, they were very, very strong in clinical dietetics. So, um, you know, I guess you, I was fortunate. i I. I I felt good. I mean, I had, I had a strong internship experience with them and we started doing patient care, even our junior year of college. So I had had almost two years of clinical um, experience because of what the, the way their program was designed then. Um, so I think, yeah, that helps me. I, I don't remember being afraid. I think the only thing I, I honestly remember being a little bit nervous about was handling TPN,
0: mm. you know,
1: and, um, Tube feedings, I was I felt fairly confident. I'd done that a lot um, in my internship, and not a lot had changed with that really. Um, Did and the I pharmacy had,
0: double check the orders for that? Or was we work like together. Net? Okay, that worked would make together. me nervous too. Um, that yeah, it just freaks me out. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm glad mm-hmm. they check it too. Yeah,
1: the TPN was really the bigger issue for me, honestly. Um, and, and the times that we did that was more with surgical patients. So I do remember like having to call a surgeon one time because he forgot to order lipids to go with the TPN. Mm -hmm. And so then he was like, well, you just write the order then, which I, I did write all the two feeding orders. The doctors had me do that. Um, you know, because the success was better. Um, you know, at the time they had kind of been doing it old school. So I think we raised that level of of care there. Um, But TPN was kind of, you know, one of those more infrequent things. So, but, um, you know, otherwise, like general diabetic diets, I felt very comfortable counseling patients, Um, even obesity-related things, um, sodium, renal patients. I mean, it was hard. I I definitely was in general practice. Right. Um, But. But the majority of the patients I saw were probably diabetics, truly, um, at that time. So it, it was interesting, though, because I always had a variety because it was general um, practice.
0: So when you looked at the vacancy for the food service manager position and you were advised to go back and sit for the exam, did you end up mm-hmm. never taking a school nutrition job at that level when you came into school nutrition did you enter in leadership
1: I did I did actually one day I was at the hospital um, for like four and a half years and one day someone came in and put the ad for the director's job at Carrollton City Schools on my desk and I wasn't looking to leave the hospital at the time I really enjoyed my job but um, my children were in Carrollton school system and I didn't know anything about school food service, um, but I was interested. I was intrigued because of my children being in the district. So I went and interviewed with the superintendent. His name was Dr. Ronnie Williams, and um, you know, I, I obviously didn't know what I didn't know, but I did know I did know good food service management. Um, and we had brought the food service along in the hospital. Um, we were kind of known for having, you know, really good food. We actually had a lot of community people that came and ate with us to the point where our dining room was too full, um, at times. And so, you know, it created some issues with administration sometimes, um, because it was in a smaller town, there weren't as many restaurants, so people knew we had good food. So they came and ate with us a lot. Oh,
0: wow. Is that common in smaller districts, do you think?
1: It is it is, well, it was common in smaller towns, I think, before, you know, there were as many restaurant choices. Um, it, was, it was pretty common I, in the South for people to go eat in the hospital if, you know, they didn't have a lot of restaurant choices.
0: Right. Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. So, um, so I went and interviewed with the superintendent. And of course, being a registered dietitian um, allowed me to have a provisional certificate Um, for the position because they had a certified director and they wanted to maintain that certification um, and wanted me to get a master's, which I didn't have any problem doing. Um, Like I told Dr. Williams, I just hadn't had a purpose in doing it before that. Um, So it, you know, it was exciting to me to think about doing that, knowing that I was going to apply that in um, school nutrition. So, Was that
0: before um, the professional standards were, it wasn't mandatory. It was just the preference of that particular school system at the time.
1: No, it was mandatory. It was was mandatory. mandatory. Yeah, it was made mandatory in 1984. So this was 2000. So the previous director had had the credentials. She had been the director for 17 years. Um, and so they had always had a certified director since professional standards had come into existence. Okay. So I was the second one. And of course they wanted to maintain that standard as I did. Um, so, you know, I just went ahead and did a master's degree within, I had a little bit longer time because of being, um, provision, you know, getting a provisional certificate and being an RD and that. Then the rule read that if you were a registered dietitian, I think you had actually up to five years to complete the master's. But I just went ahead and I I went ahead and did it in two years. Typically you have three years to complete your certification. But um, I just went ahead and did it in two.
0: Now, what made you decide to pursue your doctorate as well? (laughs) That's a good question. I think, um, to be honest, You know, getting involved
1: in school nutrition, it showed me a lot of things. One, how important um, wellness is. And I felt like that's where I felt like I found kind of that um, completion of what I had seen, you know, back in the 80s with um, early, you know, with dietetics, just thinking about wellness. To me, school nutrition is one of the best wellness programs our nation provides if, you know, if it's handled correctly and and students are um, offered opportunities for nutrition ed alongside of it and all that. So um, I I think I just felt like um, not only were we feeding children just in general, but we were feeding children well and hopefully teaching them how to make better choices. Um, So through that process, um, I think, you know, I felt like, We'd come a long way in Carrollton and really standardized, and I I had amazing employees and amazing managers that really ran um, very, very strong operations. We had well-trained staff, Um, and so I kind of felt like things were running really well, and I had met um, Dr. Janie Thornton and even Dr. Katie Wilson um, and I was a little bit familiar with the Iowa State program. At that time, it was very focused on school nutrition, um, the time that those ladies went through the program. By the time I applied to it, um, they had a different chairman of the department, and it was more of a generalist Ph.D., which actually I'm kind of grateful that it was. Um, but So I started in 2011. Decided, you know, I think I'll go pursue my PhD. I enjoyed doing my master's, and I thought it was going to be a lot like that, to be honest. Um, but I found out very quickly it was not exactly like my master's. Um, it was much more difficult. Um, it was honestly probably the hardest thing I've ever done, but it was probably the most rewarding thing I've ever done as well. And um, it it forced me to learn a lot of things. Um, chief really chiefly among that being able to write at a higher academic level. Um, That was probably that, and also familiarizing myself with research, just because running an operation and running a school food service program is such an involved job that um, I didn't always have a lot of time to read research. I think I read more research when I was in clinical dietetics because I would look for things to support practice, especially since I was general in those obscure cases that would come up, you know, I would look for the research to um, support, you know, what the best uh, diet and all was for that patient. So um, in school food service, I, I did, you know, read things from the Institute of Child Nutrition and all, but I think my time was so limited. So stepping into that highly academic setting, um, where so many people, you know, a lot of the cohort I was with were actually current professors looking to add that next credential. So they were very well versed in research. Um, I definitely had a lot of experience, so that helped me and they were interested in my experience. So that was kind of a fun balance. Um, but I think You know, primarily the reason I did it was for just personal growth, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, I just felt like it was something I wanted to do. And I'm not sure that I had necessarily an end game goal in mind with it. I'm not sure people would ask me all the time. now, Why are you doing this? What do you want to do? And
0: I don't know that I had that vision, to be honest.
1: Um, But I knew you wanted the
0: experience and the professional development that was going to come from it.
1: Yes. And the challenge, you know, associated with that um, and the timing of it in my life. My son was graduating from high school and my youngest son. And so, you know, even though I was working, I still knew, you know, it was going to be a little different to be an empty nester. So I think that helped fill a little bit of a time void there. It definitely filled the time void. I had no life for two <laughs> years.
0: <laughs> I was While I going did to it. ask, that's another question I have. How do you what time management tips do you have for the rest of us? Cause it just sounds like you have packed an incredible amount of productivity into your days when you're like <laughs> running a department, raising teenagers and studying. How do you do that?
1: Well, I have a very, very understanding husband and also understanding children and um, they were willing to support me in some just basic, you know, household related things. You know, I would come home from work and, um, you know, I, I packed as much as I could into my work day and would try to leave at a reasonable time. I you know, I always stayed later, but, you know, try to at that time, especially when I was doing my Ph.D., I really would try to leave by 5, 530 every day. And I would I would go in typically before seven um, to work between 6.30 and 7 and I'd try to leave by five 5.30 and I'd come home and have dinner with my husband basically unfortunately kind of watch the clock okay you've got 30 minutes of my time kind of thing and um, and then I would go I had a home office and so then I would go to my home office and work from 6.30 till sometimes one thirty in the morning um, you know I was the coursework you know that that took a lot of time, but that actually kept me moving through the process um, because there was a lot of writing, particularly with a PhD, you do a tremendous amount of research and writing. Um, and I had uh, 12 credits of statistics. So, you know, that was the really fun time.
0: Um, oh, I can only you know, <laughs> imagine. <laughs> what was your
1: those?
0: research focus?
1: So my research focus was on RDs and school nutrition leadership. So one of the things that the Iowa State program did really well was they got you thinking day one about what you wanted to do your research because so many people get through their coursework in a Ph.D. program and they don't ever finish their research. Uh So um, two things that really helped me be successful, I think, with that process, one, being in a program that was so strong academically um, as Dr. Bob Bobelman was over the program and he really revamped it to where it, it had a lot of um, solid content. And then the real key success to it was my major professor. So Dr. Susan Arndt um, accepted me. She only accepted three students um, a year. And so she was a, she's a registered dietitian and has done a lot of research and been highly published, of course. And um, so she accepted me as one of her three um, Ph.D. students, and she really helped me design my time in the sense of setting deadlines to work through my research, to work through the surveys that I had to develop and pilot test and then deliver and then even writing the actual dissertation. My dissertation is like 200 pages. It's Mm. pretty long. So Um, she really forced me to say, okay, you're going to have chapter one finished. You know, she had me set my own calendar, obviously. And then I held to those deadlines um, just like I did my coursework deadlines. And she was incredible supporting me in that because she knew, she knew that I was working full time. And so she made a solid effort to get things back to me because she knew I spent my weekends um, doing research and writing. So, I I literally had no life for three years. I I literally would come home, you know, spend a little time with my husband and work till late. And then I spent every minute on the weekend that I could um, doing work summers. We worked a reduced schedule. So that helped me because I had Friday, Saturday and Sunday that I could devote um, to that. So I really I mean, I just I had to work through it. And were um, you
0: able to maintain your fitness or your. Did you feel like your health ever got abandoned a little bit during that time? That's
1: an interesting question. Probably my sleep deprivation did, for sure. Um, I really tried to be very, very careful about what I ate. I didn't have time to exercise, though. So I would walk, um, but it was limited mm-hmm. because I just I didn't have a lot of time. And so in that sense, yes, during those three years, I think my physical activity definitely was not um to the level that it is now and had been prior to that. So even though I was very cautious about what I ate, um, I was way more sedentary than I typically am. And so in that sense, yes. And so when I finished I actually hired a personal trainer um for a year and a half and, and worked on that again. Um, and have maintained it since. But yeah, it you know it was a type of a marathon. Honestly, people equate doing a PhD to doing a marathon. It definitely was. It just wasn't the right kind of physical marathon.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. At sometimes you just have to prioritize, and whatever is the main focus in your life has to just be the focus, and some things will have to wait for a while. But I just think yeah. sometimes I see it's harder to focus or be creative or finish projects when you're sleep deprived and you're not Mm -hmm. eating right. So I just wondered when you have to spend that much time working on a task that requires you to sit still, just how do you really strike a balance But watching the day makes sense?
1: Yeah. And I would get out. I I mean, I didn't do long walks, but I would get out and do, you know, I live near a cul-de-sac and I have two dogs and so I'd get out. I wouldn't just sit at my desk for just hours after a little while I'd get up and I'd go walk them around the cul-de-sac, you know, sort of thing. So it wasn't like intensive cardio, but you know, I'm, Still moving. I'm the type of person I can't just sit for hours and hours. So I did have some movement. It just wasn't, I didn't have a standing desk that might've helped or a treadmill right. desk that could have helped, but
0: I've gotten um, a standing but anyway. desk at work now. And it's embarrassing how rarely i put myself in that <laughs> position. I just, uh, yeah. So I'm sure your system is just as effective as anything. Now yeah. you spent a lot of time in Carrollton city schools over the I time did. that re- you were there. What did you see evolve? Like what major changes were there big shifts in the use of technology in the program or.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. So I think, you know, a couple things came into play. Um, When I came, you know, standardized recipes were really kind of on the the start of that. That was when the review process was the C-R-E-S-M-I review. And so I went through those initial reviews where um, standardized recipes had to be implemented because it was part of the nutrient standards. Back, you know, in that time, everything was analyzed based on nutrient standards. And so um, thank goodness I had that strong foundation with standardized recipes. And I also worked with the staff initially. You know, we really focused a lot on quality food. Um, the nutritional content obviously was a big part of that because of the analysis that was required. But also for me, serving quality food was um, the most important foundational piece of that. The quality piece, obviously, I could play with the menus and the recipes and the foods we were using, but delivering it well and preparing it well um, was really and truly my first main focus. So we spent a lot of time on that and even implemented batch cooking very early in the process. And then ironically, the half-foot plans came out and um, that actually was a very easy process for us to implement because we'd implemented batch cooking. And so that helped us. um, And we'd implemented batch cooking really for a quality food focus, but it provided that temperature control piece where Mm -hmm. food wasn't sitting for hours in the warmer and it was fresh. So, you know, good practice helps cover a lot of aspects. um, I think so. And then yes, because we were a smaller district, At the time I came to Carrollton, we only had 3,400 students. So when I left, it was like a little over 5,300. So the system almost doubled while I was there. Um, But saying that, I didn't have a lot of staff. And so wanting to manage things well, we implemented all kinds of software. Um, I actually went to cloud-based point of service, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, um, early into it. So... I tended to always be an early adapter when it came to technology. I was one of the first districts, probably, that had um, the temperature monitoring systems on my walk-in coolers and freezers. Um, Goodness, I've had that for probably 14, 15 years. Um, And even doing district-based analysis, You know, when I first came, they kind of had standalone software at each school that was doing that. So we made it a district and then we went actually to a web-based menu management system as well. So definitely, you know, we used, we were early adapters for scanned applications. We did online applications. So anywhere that I could implement software um, to help pull some of those mundane responsibilities off of the manager's and bring it to central office where, you know, I could manage it and my staff could support that better um, help the managers be able to really focus on running their staff and producing quality school meals. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a, a technology geek in that sense, I guess.
0: Okay. So that's why you're quick to adopt. Well, it just helps you make more database decisions if it's easier to collect the data and, Yes. have an aggregate you can actually look at, so that makes mm-hmm. sense. Now when it comes to the quality of the food, was learning the rules of proc- procurement a challenge at all? Was that different coming from working with the hospital? Um, it was different. I, I mean,
1: we we wanted competitive bids. When I worked for the company now we had our own um, warehouse and we did procure uh, produce locally. But other than that, you know, we had a corporate delivery. So I didn't really have, you know, I learned inventory control, but I didn't have, um, you know, I didn't have to worry about the procurement side of it there. When I was at the hospital, I did have to worry more about it. um, And I always tried to get competitive pricing. We were part of a purchasing consortium, though. So, you know, again, it wasn't like the federal regulations that we have in school nutrition. So learning that process definitely was something that was new. I understood how the standards related and I think my education, you know, in an undergraduate and even, you know, a little bit probably in my master's dealt with some of that. I definitely knew, you know, a little bit about writing specifications and those sorts of things. but. Um, it, is, it is a little different for curing under federal standards. So I think I learned a lot through that process, and it's something that I think has developed um, while I've been in school nutrition. You know, what it was 18 and a half years ago is still, you know, it wasn't near as evolved as what it is now.
0: How do you recommend that people who are new or people who are established – how they should try and keep up with the changes, like in addition to their daily operations, how do they make sure they don't miss uh, updates?
1: Well, you know, in Georgia, we're, we're fairly fortunate. At least we try. And then now that that's my world, um, we definitely share USDA updates all the time. So USDA will send out memos and guidance Um on a regular basis. So keeping current with that is very, very critical. And I, my understanding is every state kind of handles that a little differently. But in Georgia, we definitely try to share that with our local systems as quick as we get the information. Um, And then, you know, we're also fortunate, I think, in Georgia, I've always felt this way. we The State Department provides a lot of training opportunities, and I personally looked for those training opportunities. I did training through the Institute of Child Nutrition and even some other areas, um, not always necessarily school nutrition related, but best practice related um, that just helped me learn how to implement a better operation and how to better manage And do trainings and be more creative. And I'm just kind of one of those individuals. I'm not happy with the status quo. So looking for ways to improve and move ahead, I think is, um, you know, always been a standard for me.
0: Right. And like you just alluded to, you're moving into an exciting new role as the Georgia Department of Education School Nutrition Director. So I know, like you said, every state does things a little bit differently. But what is your vision for how you would like the state of Georgia to be in the next five years or so in comparison (laughs) to maybe other states in school nutrition?
1: Sure. Well, Georgia, you know, I'm, I'm extremely fortunate and honored to have the opportunity to be the state director. Um, you know, there's a strong heritage in school nutrition, starting with Dr. Josephine Martin, who really laid um, an incredible plan, I think, in vision in her tenure. And then, you know, Annette Beaumont-Hopgood definitely continued to move that bar ahead and establish a very strong program to continue that legacy. And then there's some other folks that were there, um, Gretchen Schultz and um, Ruth Gordon had a small period of time. And then most recently, Nancy Rice, having been the director of the last 11 years, you know, I think that's where that standard of training and support for the local districts has been evident, even our credentialing. Georgia had, has really set the bar and my dissertation really focused on that. Um, I looked at the Southeast region and um, looked at how dietetics relates to the practice of school nutrition management and really found that in all my training as a dietitian, human resource management, financial management, the nutritional side of it, um, even the wellness application and all, all of those things were foundational pieces of my training that I think really laid a good educational foundation for me um, to be successful in this role. And so that was the focus of my research. And I'm and not saying that only RDs should be school nutrition directors. I think other folks come from other backgrounds that they also bring knowledge. But I do think that dietetics is one application that does prepare people well. And so I think in saying that, Georgia has done a really good job of focusing on the importance for qualified leadership. And that was where that credentialing program came up. And And part of that framework is definitely focused on nutrition and human resource management and financial management. All those factors are part of um, the things that, that are tied to that credential. So I think that's where our programs have been very successful through the years. So taking on something that has such a strong foundation um, and looking ahead five years. I think for me, you know, what I hope we do is continue to provide that strong district support, certainly. And, you know, we're looking at ways that we can do that. We've got kind of where I was when I started in school nutrition. There was a lot of directors that were aging out and starting to retire. And I think we're seeing that cycle develop again. And so looking at secession planning, um, both for the ultimate leadership of our local districts, but also even our leadership in our schools and our frontline employees, I think we've got some challenges associated um, with our staffing. Unemployment wow. is very low right now and districts are struggling. So really exposing our Georgia students to the opportunities in school nutrition. Um, you know, they may want to be frontline employees just working in a school. They want to may want to move up to a management level, or they may ultimately want to be in, you know, a higher level leadership position in a district as a coordinator or director, nutrition specialist, depending on, you know, the size of the district and the opportunities there. Um, so I think You know, that's one of my goals is I think our school systems could help us. And some of it could be through a culinary arts program. Some of it could be just through a business or leadership focus um, to where this could be presented as an opportunity for them um, for the future. So I I see that as one area that I would like to continue to develop um, for our local districts and, and really developing a pipeline for employees at all levels, but obviously leadership, you know, being a top priority for us to maintain. Um, Definitely focusing on the importance of our credentialing. Um, I think, again, that relates to how Georgia is so strong. So, you know, I don't wanna see us lose um, ground in that area. Professional standards was, you know, something that they realized with the Healthy Hunger-Free Kids Act that was important. To even set that baseline, because a lot of districts didn't, or a lot of states didn't even require a bachelor's degree. Um, and honestly, mm. having been in Georgia as long as I was, I was kind of naive to that. I didn't realize the variance um, levels of education that were set, you know, in other states. So I think you know you can kind of see some correlations for um, strength of district quality meals and financial stability and all when you look at qualified leadership running those programs. So anyway, that's another aspect. Um, For me immediately, I think communications is a big factor, um, aligning our goals in school nutrition with what the state superintendent as his goals. Um, That's where we've rolled out recently the the new logo fueling Georgia's future um, and really thinking about how we um, promote our school meal programs. Um, Another big piece of that is collaboration. You know, we've done some partnerships with the Department of Agriculture, continuing to foster and develop that relationship, implementing more Georgia grown products in our schools. I think schools have done a tremendous job on that and just continuing to help systems um, through that procurement process. Even looking at maybe some ways to support Local districts, there with um, maybe doing some collaborative purchasing in different regions in the states, Um, knowing the challenges that are associated with the documentation and the process that's required, um, hopefully helping, particularly smaller systems that maybe don't have as much experience with that, be able to get more competitive pricing and things in their areas with the um, distributors that are. Servicing them, making sure that they are getting distributors to service them. Even there's some parts of our state where that's even a challenge. Um, so then that impacts, um, you know, districts having the best pricing, and and that and that impacts that financial side. So I think that's you know another thing that I'd like to see us as a state department hopefully help. Um, and and something else that's been brought up to me, you know, in some of the area meetings is the need for more financial training with our local directors. And so um, I was fortunate that I think I had a fairly, I had a a strong foundation coming from the commercial standpoint. I did understand the finances at least a little bit. I had to learn school nutrition finances, certainly. Um, Right. But I think that's vital for our local districts to be able to understand how to evaluate their monthly reports and make decisions quickly, not waiting till the end of the year to kind of see where they land, um, you know, and, and to learn how to make adjustments and what adjustments are realistic to make, controlling food costs, controlling labor costs. In increasing participation, you know, getting being creative in how they market their programs and um, how we can
0: support that from the state level. So, that's that all sounds fantastic. Like the vision is for the state office to be a resource and a leader in a positive way. Some people seem to have a lot of anxiety around. Administrative reviews, and there seems to be a lot of fear there. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe not everyone totally understands that it is a partnership. Sure. Um, no one's trying to catch you doing anything. Right. Everyone is part of the same team.
1: Yes. Well, for me, and I think that's where I view school nutrition, I just see us as having such a great opportunity um, with our children. And I think you know, coming from that healthcare background and seeing the impact of obesity and how that adversely affects people's health and quality of life, you know, I just see us having such a great opportunity. So to me, I, I like to look at the reviews, and I, I tried to do this in Carrollton, even though, you know, it's natural to have some anxiety, I think, anytime you're evaluated. Um, but mm-hmm. if we're doing the right things, and if we're able to support districts, to be able to do the right things every day for children, then hopefully the fear associated with those reviews can um, be minimized, um, so that that best practice is the day-to-day standard, and it's not something that's right. just done for the sake of a review, but we're really doing it um, for the sake of the child and the well-being of the whole child, um, and that supports their academic success. So. You know, to me, it's just a total tie-in. So, you know, and I think George has tried to do a lot of that. I think, um, I think the State Department wants, has always wanted to help and support districts. I think some of, you know, what's evolved is just the nature of the complexity of these reviews. Um, And again, you know, if folks aren't as comfortable with some of the challenges they face day to day in their operations. Then having that review, you know, I can I can see where it would be um, it would be inti- you know a little intimidating and stressful. Yes, for sure.
0: Right, but having a resource there to help you get comfortable, so that like you said, every day you're trying to be compliant and maintain these standards because they're not arbitrary standards; they're there for the benefit of the student and the sustainability of the program as a whole. So I could really see the financials being a struggle for a lot of people just because Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a strong component in most people's undergrad programs, whether they're coming from nutrition or uh, unless you actually studied accounting, you probably are really weak when it comes to money management. So I Mm can see it being helpful to have more trainings. In that area.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. And we're looking at that. The Institute of Child Nutrition um, has some really good training. And then, you know, just trying to understand what the routine support for that could be, I think, is where I'm trying to, you know, evaluate where we're at now um, with that. But I I do think it's something that will be a, a process for us to implement and, uh, and hopefully develop that to where directors and staff will feel more comfortable with that.
0: Right. Well, I'm excited to have somebody who likes technology and is not happy with the status quo at the wheel. At <laughs> this is all very exciting. Um, if there was one thing that you could communicate to everyone who works in school, nutrition for them to like have in their head and their hearts when they go to work every day, what would it be? What is it that you would like for all of us to understand about what we do every day?
1: Well, I really do believe that we're feeding the future. And I think, you know, and I've I've shared this through different opportunities that I've had to be with folks. I think, you know, when we look at the challenges of our society, um, understanding how we can really change a child's palate to be more accepting and willing to try foods that they're probably not exposed to outside of the school setting um, and how that can shape their well-being for the future, um, even related to cooking that for themselves and um, making good choices for themselves. I, I just feel like that is such an incredible opportunity that really could change um the health landscape of our nation, you know, we, we have an obesity issue. And if you talk to anybody in healthcare, they're going to affirm that my daughter's a pharmacist and she tells me all the time, how patients that she sees in the hospital setting, the majority of them are in the hospital in very critical condition, um, related to uh, some type of obesity, you know, type of disease or condition, that brought him to that level. So I just, I would like to do better for our children. So I think that's where I get up every day thinking, you know, that's my motivation to, to see where I can help support, um, help support really everybody be successful in, in presenting and providing the best we can for our kids.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Well, thank you for the opportunity and,
1: um, I just I think school nutrition's the greatest place to work, honestly. After working in a few different applications, I you know I think I've found the most rewarding, obviously, and and it's my my passion. You know, quite frankly, um, is is feeding children. So if anybody's interested or wonders more about it, I would you know encourage them to reach out to a school nutrition um, professional in their area and see what opportunities exist because. It is definitely a rewarding place and you find people staying in the field till they retire yeah. because because of that. So
0: And um, that really says something in a time where you're not seeing that anymore. Like it used to be kind of normal. People find a job and they just stay there. Mm-hmm. That really isn't a thing anymore. Now, even when people maybe move from one opportunity to another in school nutrition, you see people are staying in school, school nutrition. nutrition. There's yes. a lot of job satisfaction here. I definitely don't want to do anything else. I feel like I get to use every bit of my training at my current job, which is what I had hoped to do. Yes. I didn't think I would find something that really touched on everything that, but, but I have, and this is, an amazing like welcoming community of professionals as well and other parts of dietetics people can be kind of catty or maybe that's (laughs) not the right word but they're not always super welcoming
1: sure a little more (laughs) territorial maybe
0: yes yes and like competitive not collaborative and you find that people want to share their resources they want to share their knowledge and the yes. only obstacle I really see to that is like lack of time because it yes. is um, a hectic field to be in. But everybody wants to see everyone succeed. And I just don't think there are a lot of places like that no. anymore. Or I don't know if there ever were. So right. I don't want to go anyplace else. <laughs> I know. I know. This it is. is definitely it is the place great. for me. Yep, I agree. Yeah. I agree Totally. I really appreciate Dr. Dodson coming on this week and sharing her journey into school nutrition with us and some insights and some career advice. It is not uncommon at all to come in contact with people in leadership positions in school nutrition that are willing to take out the time to share guidance and advice with people who are maybe a little earlier on in their career path. That's just a sign to me that we are all in the right place. And as usual don't worry if you didn't get a chance to take any notes, just visit the website schoolnutritiondietitian.com. And from there, sign up for the email list and get access to summary sheets for the episode every single week. Here on a mission to show you fruits and vegetables can be super delicious. Eating healthy keeps you healthy on the inside. Keep your stomach satisfied and keep a clear mind. Now you're ready for your academics. Focus time to handle business breakfast. You don't want to miss it. Help your body to replenish clean food clear mind that is the vision tune in to the school nutrition dietitian